Boomer in the Morning is on right now. Sportsnet 960 The Fan, Calgary. Hour two of the program here on a game day. Flame starts tonight, 7.30 at the Dome. Game five. Things knotted up at two apiece. This hour brought to you by Spruce It Up Garden Center, your one-stop shop for the best plants, trees, pots and decor, and greenest grass. You spruce it up, green it up, prune it up, they got you covered. Boomer, Pinder. We'll talk uh, a little Blue Jays, Benny Wagner. We talked about it uh, last segment. Tough loss for the Jays as they uh, give up a bomb late, a walk-off win for the Yankees. But it's all about the Flames and Stars. One of the best to do it, Stars analyst, Bally Sports, uh, former Daryl Ray. Daryl, appreciate it, man. Good to talk to you on uh, on a game day. Uh, what? What's your take on this series? We sit here. I, I wonder because from the outside, I think there's a lot of people. They're, they got they got nasty things to say about our series. They're calling us boring. They're calling us. You know, <laughs> I feel like we're having fun and we're invested. There's lots of knots in the stomach and anxieties through the roof. We're we're living it, but I feel like a lot of people are talking dirty about our series. Yeah, and I don't fully understand it. Like it's old school, right? Like this is an old school playoff series. They're, came out trying to kill each other and um, it it has been difficult to score. The goaltending has been great. Uh, Both sides kind of understand that the games are going to be the games and you have to triumph in them. Whereas everybody on the outside, it's almost like they want fast food, right? They, they just, they just want all the shiny toys and they want lots of goals. They want it to be easier. I mean, this, this is fight for your space. Again, old school Stanley Cup playoffs, and and there's animosity building within this series. I, I think it's been great, but I'm I'm pretty old school. So the other thing is they've been in the balance swinging in the third period. A lot of these yeah. games you've watched have been over well, through forty. At least you've had to stay to the end, and there's been some drama between Dallas and Calgary. Right. The only thing that maybe has been missing is a little bit of overtime, uh, and and then the other part of it is there whoever scores first is winning. And the, I, I actually prefer it when there are lead changes. I think lead change hockey is the best hockey. Uh, but, and there, there's been a little smidge of it, but yeah. for the most part, if you give up that first goal, it might be the only goal with these two teams and these two goaltenders. Uh, but if you give up that first goal, you're, you're probably going down. So it's a rather large first goal tonight, I would suspect. Now, Johnny Gaudreau made his presence felt last game, but I still feel like the the big name. Th- this has been Jake Ottinger's series, and yeah, I mean he's he had forty six starts. He was he was he got the lion's share of of the starts. If you were paying close enough attention to Dallas Stars hockey, you were not stunned by this guy. So I guess, but take us back because it was not it was not about Jake Ottinger at the start of the season. There was Braden Holtby and Anton Godobin. This was not supposed to be the year, I don't think, for Jake Ottinger. I guess walk us through the, the situation in which he arrived, and being a goalie yourself, <clears throat> your, your impressions of this guy early, and obviously now where he's playing as good as you could expect anyone to play. Yeah, I remember back in training camp, uh, his lease on his apartment only ran through October 10th, so he wasn't very presumptuous you know, that he was going to be around. Like he expected to make the team, but they had a quartet of, of goaltenders and three of them were veterans. One of them took them to the Stanley Cup final and the other were Ben Bishop and, and Braden Holtby. So it, it was just really weird at the beginning of the year because the kid 
got thrust in last year in that season that was wacky as well, where you were only playing your division and there was nobody in the stands and um, all of that. But, you know, if you, if you look at him, he could have fallen on his face when they threw him into a lot of challenging spots. But he, he's always met the challenge. Like last year, that was way ahead of schedule. He's supposed to be playing in the American Hockey League. This year, that stuff in, in camp. And then he didn't have a really good camp. Um, he kind of got in his own way a little bit. And there was just too many goaltenders around. So he goes down. They get an injury. Hadobin's not playing well. They call him back up. Again, he could have fallen on his face. And he played really well. He was almost unbeatable on home ice. So you get through the season, and, and he, I mean, he turned into their number one and it, by almost default, but it was his play as well because everybody, all these other guys were injured. Um, Bishop was done, Holtby was injured, and Hadobin had surgery. So you get to the playoffs, and I think a lot of people around the Stars were like, okay, uh, I don't know what we're going to get here. He was the biggest variable heading into this series. And, and then he comes in in game one, he loses a, a goaltending duel, uh, to Markstrom, and then he's brilliant in game two. He's outstanding back on home ice, which was no shock to those of us who've watched him all year. He's kind of, that's kind of his domain. He's, he's felt really comfortable there and played great. And then, I mean, 4-1 was flattering to the Stars in game four, only because of him. So he, he's, he's, a, he's a Henrik Lundqvist lover. That was his guy growing up. Uh, he's not cocky whatsoever, but he, he has athletic arrogance that all, I think, really great goaltenders have to have. There's a there's a real presence with him, and he's only going to get better. He's 23 years old. So they, they've got their goaltender for the next decade. And for my money, I know I love Markstrom. I think he's fantastic, but Ottinger's been the best goalie in these playoffs. He's, yeah. he's been remarkable. And that's the thing you talk that competitive, whatever you described it there. I love the way he'll just he throws the puck. He doesn't wait for the ref to come against. Just you know, get that yeah. out of here. I made the stop. This that was the first thing that we noticed because as media people, you have to break it down in the tail of the tape. And the, the decided advantage in goal was going to be for the Flames. It did not take long before you realized this kid's pretty cool under pressure here. It's, does he know that this is the playoffs? That's what the saves are one thing, but man, the how the, that steely resolve and i think that yeah that the confidence and and calm that that gives to the veterans around him it's amazing they feed off of his his energy yeah you picked up on a good thing because i, I that is important especially for i would think for a young goaltender with a relatively veteran team like they're looking back there like okay what's your demeanor look like like uh, and there's been no rattle in them whatsoever. And again, it's not, it's not like a cocky little puke in there by any stretch. He's, <laughs> like he, yeah. he, he's not Jordan Bennington. You know? He's not acting that way. Yeah, yeah. Um, he, just, he just has a real smooth, polished, professional, again, athletic arrogance. Like he, he doesn't think this is too big for him. And then he, he backs it up and... You know, he's, he, he's a great kid. Like, he works his tail off every day to get better. And I, I think some of that is, is showing here now. Now, whether it can continue or the Flames start to get to him a little bit, even if they do, I don't think, I don't think he'll change all that much. Because I've, I've seen him have bad outings and then come back and look like the guy he was on the other side of it. And he hasn't had very many bad outings.
if there was going to be a young player on the stars that was taking over the series and like, okay, that's why this thing is deadlocked or that's why, you know, they had a two, one series lead. I thought it was going to be Jason Robertson. Who's also due for a contract this summer as is Ottinger. Yeah. Um, that line has gotten some points, but they haven't been able to possess the puck, create chances or hold a lot of zone time as much as I thought. We were talking about maybe the two best lines in the league in the regular season with the Flames' top line in Dallas's. What have the Flames done well to neutralize that trio? Uh, well, I mean, the physical nature of it, uh, where you have to, you have to kind of fight for your space. And Jason, Jason isn't the biggest guy. Like he still has some filling out to do, and. It, it is sort of curtailed his ability because he's a, he's a guy that likes to kind of hang on to the puck a little bit and, and he'll make a clever play or he'll get into a position where he's got a real sporty little shot that I think it just surprises a lot of goaltenders gets on him in a hurry. And, uh, and he, he just hasn't had that space. It's, it's interesting. Like last year uh, he, he really struggled to score on the road and, he admitted at the beginning of this year uh, uh, that that he was intimidated a little bit by road play and not you know being in foreign environments. And I, I would think the the playoffs are kind of that same animal for him this year, where he's he's got to go through it to learn it and understand that that you're not going to get a lot of free ice and you're going to have to find a way to get going. And the other guy on on the line is that that needs to play better, uh, and he can is Rope Hints. Uh, and Ropek sometimes he can just skate like an ice gazelle and, and he's such a big, powerful guy. And sometimes he'll get, he'll get a little swoopy and instead of starting and and stopping. And when he starts and stops, he's, he drives that line with Pavelski and, and Robertson. And, you know, he has that, what one empty net goal with one second to go. So it was inconsequential. Uh, and he, he's got to have a bigger impact on things. Joe's done Joe Pavelski things. He does the same thing all the time. So they, I, I think they're probably trying a little too hard uh, right now, and they need they need to just simmer down and get back to what was successful for them in the regular season. And a lot of that was Rope opening things up with his with his speed, and that has to start happening. Flames had a decided edge in chances and shots, and especially in Game 4, but over the course of the series as well. Is that just going to have to be how the Stars, they have to survive that, or can you see this team outchancing and, uh, you know, I guess being the better team possession-wise the rest of the way? They they need to manufacture Game 2 here again, uh, where it was probably pretty even. Even in that one, I think they ended up getting out chance, but they, I mean, it can't be whatever that was we witnessed in, in Dallas where it, the flames, that that's kind of their MO though, right? Like they're a volume shooting team. They, they like yep. to put a lot of pucks on that. So there, there's going to be probably more pelting and bombarding of Jake Ottinger than what's going on the other way. And if you, if you watch the way the stars have gone about their business offensively, uh, this year, like they're, they're not a great possession team. I think they they rank somewhere around 30th, maybe in ozone possession time in the regular season. So it, it that's not really their deal, uh, and it is the Flames. Uh, that's one of their prime things. So they 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 need these sort of incursions and then make the most of it. 
and and their power play. I mean, the power play has just been feckless. It's been brutal, and not just in this series, but even late in the regular season, it wasn't very good. And, and, and not, not just not very good. Like, it wouldn't even drive momentum within the game. Like, it just sap it. You could see it. And the Flames' penalty killing has been very impressive. Like, that, that's, that's the best hard-on-the-puck aggressive penalty killing that, that we've witnessed in, in a long time. And they, they can't get ahead of it right now. I mean, the, the power play goals that they've scored in the series have been just sort of, like I just said, like just rush chances that they end up scoring on. So they, they do need to find a way to, to, to get on the grind a little bit more and spend some time in, in the flame zone. And, but more importantly than that, I think they're going into game five here thinking we got to get out of our own zone a lot cleaner and quicker because they, they were just on their back foot for the entirety. It felt like of, of game four in Dallas. Chatting with Daryl Ray, color analyst with, uh, with, with the stars, Valley sports game five coming tonight. The, uh, we, we talked a little bit about the top line and I know Rick Bonus said yesterday, there's going to be some lineup changes and that top line Pavelski Robertson hints, it got shuffled as the game went on, but it was, you know, looking for something in the third when you're scrapping to come back, I guess, what, yeah, do you, yeah. do you see anything you, you put those, I guess I would think you put those back together and, but, but there are some guys I know that uh, Gurianov sat for a good chunk of the, uh, the final part of that game in game four. And Radulov's been out and in. Student each has been out and in. What would you foresee as potential changes for game five? Yeah, I, I mean, Radulov has, has uh, you know, he tries. There's effort in that there. He just hasn't had a very impactful season. But he's a veteran guy, and, and he does have the ability to, you know, to score that goal maybe when he gets a chance. And uh, whether he would get, come back out or stay in, Gurionov's a, a interesting uh, individual. Like, it, there, there's so many things to like about Dennis, but he can he, even if the coach doesn't bench him, he can disappear from a game, and he he doesn't use his attributes consistently he can skate like the wind he's got a he can shoot the puck through the end of the rink like he, he can hammer a puck but he he ends up not getting any shots and not getting much done uh so whether whether he would come out and they would throw in one of the you know whether it was peterson or student each or or whoever um they're probably going to have to shuffle something at least at least the look of things if not the personnel uh but i I agree with you. I would be surprised if that top line's not back together. I mean, you can't reinvent yourself in game five. So they're, they're going to have to uh, tell those guys, you're going to have to get it done uh, the way you did in the regular season. And, uh, and then hope they can get some kind of a, a second layer. I think actually Tyler Sagan's played pretty good in this series and they, they need that. Uh, they need Jamie, uh, Ben, they, they, they need those, those go-to veteran guys to, to go. Uh, and give them a little something offensively and and not just cross their fingers and toes and eyes and hope that somebody getting injected into the lineup is going to get it done for them. Watching this Stars team, it's there, there's some scar tissue, Daryl, here in Calgary. You go back to the 18-19 season, Colorado series, in comes a uh, young guy, Kale McCarr, uh, comes right out of college, makes his playoff and NHL debut. This is a big, pretty big stage, a lot of pressure. Are you sure you want to put a kid 
like this in <laughs> he, he scored he scored in the first period of that of the first game that he showed okay up since, and then yeah. and the Avs I don't think they lost again in that series is how that went and then you fast forward a couple <laughs> years later boy Miro Haskin and this this young guy pretty good uh, oh yeah he's very good stars win the series now he does it he, I, I feel bad for because you look around and you've got Fox and Hedman and there's yeah. so many good young defensemen, and he's probably not going to, he just doesn't stand out at times, but he is, man, 26, 27 minutes a, a night, and he skates so well. I thought he was brilliant in game three. He's just been, there's there's so much to like about his game, but oddly, he does it quietly. Tell us, what about this kid, and what about his game? Yeah, and right from the first day, he reminded me of Scott Niedemeyer. When I watched him, I was just like, that's Scott Niedemeyer. That's a finished version of him. Uh he he can drive the offense. He hasn't, uh, but he but he can. Obviously, in the in the bubble in 2020, he would. I mean, that was when I think a lot a lot of people looked and they're like, "Oh, who's this third overall pick, uh, Miro Haskin in the Stars have?" Uh, because he was he was dominant. Like, and and the points were there. And you're they, he's going to get overshadowed by those other guys, and until he drives a little more offense. Mm-hmm. But man, he can he he can dominate a game so subtly because he just he, he he's like Nick Lidstrom was he just does the right thing every time over and over and over and over and over for sixty minutes and I, I think it was early in the in the season um, or fairly early in the season and the metric came out on on zone exits and zone entries which is a pretty esoteric little stat I don't fully understand them but your eyes tell you that when Miro has the puck, they get out of their own zone. When Miro has the puck, they get into their zone. Yeah. And uh, he, he's, he's got to be one of the best. He, he must have numbers that support it at, at doing that, which is pretty critical. You know, those two blue lines are rather important areas of the rink. It's just the offense. And he got stoned by Markstrom in game three, and then they ended up scoring right after that. And then he nailed a pipe in game four. So it's closer. He seems to be looking to shoot a little bit more. Um, I'd like to see him end up in, in the conversation in the future here about, about Norris trophies and best defenseman in the, in the league because he, he really is, but you have to really watch the game. It's not just going to you know, slap you across the face with the score sheet. Like, it, there's more to him than that. Yeah. He's just a terrific young talent. Well, and you can imagine from a, as we sit here, from either a fan's or a media perspective, watching the Flames, one of the, well, you need to get that four check in and get in on that, on that Stars D and go to work. Oh, okay. Yeah. Good, so, I mean, easier said than done. Good luck. Boy, he's going to, sure, it's sure hard to pin him yeah, down. Is it, yeah. Isn't it amazing though? Like, uh, I, you guys remember that there were times when that, that ploy worked like you could make some defensemen hear footsteps and shy away and throw pucks away. And, um, you know, he, he, he doesn't really get affected that way that much. And Klingberg doesn't either. Although that's been goofy within the series, but I've seen guys take runs at John Klingberg for years and that sinewy Swede just keeps absorbing it and making plays. Yeah. And that, that you knew that was going to balance itself out too. And, I think we're in for a, a hell of a finish. Just looking at how how close it doesn't it doesn't get much closer than what it's been between the goalies, the power play, and the penalty kill are identical. Both teams yeah. have two wins. Uh, you you couldn't uh, you couldn't script it any tighter. This is going to be a good one tonight. Big fan of your work, man. Love having you on. Always enjoy the game tonight. And uh, now you're not traveling. Are you traveling? Do you get to travel? Do they let you leave? What's going on? 
Oh yeah, no, we're we're here. I wouldn't miss Calgary. Are you kidding me? Okay, because yeah, it's, this is you just never this know. Is, uh, yeah. This is good stuff. I know we did we did a ton of remote in that, um, but we've we've been back on the road for the for a while. Yeah, it, it's awful because our our broadcast crew when we come on the road they they don't win very often, so we're like <laughs> a pariah. I think we were like five and five and fifteen in the regular season when we showed up. So uh, <laughs> maybe they want us to stay home. And I thought the first goal was important. It's actually where the, the broadcast team is. Who knew? Yeah, huh? I thought you had yeah, a lot to do it, with it's it. It's location. Yeah. Location of play callers. Yeah. Razor <laughs> Razor's wins. impact is undeniable on this series. Good to talk to you again, I man. Am yeah, you are. Good to talk yeah, to you, buddy. Thanks for having me on. Hey, thanks a lot. You, thanks. you bet. Daryl Ray. Right. He is uh stars at longtime stars analyst, just one of the best. Um Stars Power Play, two for seventeen. 11.8%. Flames power play, 2 for 17, 11.8%. You flip the script. So the PK, right? It's uh, 15 of 17, 88.2%. These stars. It hasn't been a massive play. edge either way there has. Flames have scored through, uh, through the seven goals. Stars have scored seven goals. Ottinger, uh, 2 and 2. Markstrom, 2 and 2. 952 save percentage for Markstrom, 960 for Ottinger. It truly is. It's bananas that you are. You look at both at both sides, and I guess prior to the last game, you felt like Calgary. There was more there offensively. You needed to get better shots, better better quality shots, and that sort of thing. And you asked about Robertson. He, I, I think this is the longest the whole line really because he has gone. I, I think this is the longest goal scoring drought of his season. Hints hasn't looked dynamic. Robertson looks a little bit wide-eyed at the surroundings of in the magnitude of the the series. Maybe I'm crazy. So, and the thing is, is we, we Calgary's a favorite. We expected them to win the series. It's two-two. They may yet, but all this talk about Dallas neutralizing Calgary's players. Well, the Flames done a pretty good job with that Stars top line, haven't yeah. they? Like Pavelski's done some work on the power play, and you know there's the odd tip here or there, but. There is not a lot of sustained pressure from that Dallas top line in this series, and you've got to tip your cap to the Flames and their defensive structure for it. And you feel like at some point they're they're just too good to not break through. So you hope that's if you're the Flames, you dig extra deep, and you hope that that's not tonight. We'll break. When we come back, we'll talk to Benny Wagner, play-by-play voice of the Blue Jays on Sportsnet. Hour three, we'll hear from both coaches, Daryl Sutter and Rick Bonus, with stuff prior to tonight's game. We'll hear. Uh, we'll, we'll revisit last night. A little bit more of what happened. Uh, some amazing drama in Edmonton and Toronto yesterday. And mm. then tonight, could be another series come to a conclusion. Staving. Going to need some staving at Madison Square Gonna Garden. need some spicy pork and broccoli. Not the best. Gross. Sportsnet 960, the fan. Boomer in the morning with Ryan Pinder on Sportsnet 960, the fan. This hour brought to you by Spruce It Up Garden Center, your one-stop shop. The best plants, trees, pots, and decor in the greenest grass. Spruce it up, green it up, prune it up. They got you covered. This morning, day baseball. Oh, love it. Blue Jays, Yankees. And our next guest will be uh, at the controls. Yesterday, a, uh, a home run that barely left the park and a home run that would have left any park Almost literally went out of the stadium on the planet. Ben Wagner joins us uh, as uh, a judgy and blast cost the uh, the Blue Jays 
the the ball game. It didn't cost them the ball game, but it, it was one of a few things, some fireworks, safe to say, last night between the Blue Jays and Yankees. It was uh, about a white knuckle ride as we've had all season long, and when you have a division opponent like that, a a, a tense game, and already a week that has kind of been very clunky for the Toronto Blue Jays, you get into a situation like that, every pitch, every chirp, everything gets magnified, right? For me, it's beyond last night. It's even beyond the Cleveland series. It goes all the way back to last week when the Yankees were at Rogers Center and the Blue Jays lost their first series of the season. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of intensity put on this, these matchups with these series, but the Blue Jays know, and so do the New York Yankees. They know that probably down the stretch, the biggest games between these two teams will involve scoreboard watching with each other. And likely then, if everything goes according to plan, the way that the Yankees are playing right now, they're teeing up a run towards October, and they feel that the Blue Jays are going to be there too. And the, and the Blue Jays absolutely know that the New York Yankees stiff competition. So that magnifies everything. And um, you mentioned the long which was the judge home run and the short, which was the Stanton home run shortest home run of his career. And the unicorn of major league baseball, it, it leaves the only ballpark that it could have left last night at uh, 335 feet. But yeah, you know, there's, there's a couple of things that factor into that, of course, in, even before you get to the ninth, but the ninth inning was, was very important for Romano. You can't walk the number nine guy first and foremost. Um, and then you have to be careful with DJ LeMayhew, knowing that you've got Aaron Judge right behind him, and then it doesn't get any easier with Anthony Rizzo. And then, oh, by the way, Giancarlo Stan. That's two, three, and four in that order. And it's, it's a tough, it's a very tough thing to navigate, and you only hurt yourself by issuing walks. Tell us about the drama with the umpire. And, and look, maybe it's because TV broadcasts and change and we see strike zones all the time and now we review plays and we, we can see whether they're right or wrong. And it's been HD for a while, but God, I feel like it's been a rough year for the umpires. It's been a terrible year for umpiring in Major League Baseball. It's been as as criticized as it's ever been. Um, now, there are good days. There are absolutely good days. There are fair days for Major League umpires. I have to say that. But balls and strikes have just been... Uh, not not consistent, and then you have baseball plays like what happened last night that turn into the classic term, the ump show. Why get involved in so much of this when Josh Donaldson wasn't demonstrative after he got hit by the pitch? Jimmy Garcia wasn't demonstrative when he got hit by the pitch, and even Tyler Heineman, if you watch the replay, threw his hands in the air like, "What are we doing here?" Uh, there was a, supposedly listening to Alfonso Marquez, who was the umpire that ejected Jimmy Garcia and then appeared to eject half the Blue Jays bench, but it actually it was only going to be Pete Walker and then later um, Charlie Montoyo. And that's part of this just whole charade that, that happened last night, watching it on the screen. Um, and, and I'm living it like you guys are, right? I'm not in New York, so I can't have these off-to-the-side conversations in, in, the, in the hollows of Yankee Stadium to find out if there was more to this or if there was a history between Garcia and Donaldson. Uh, shortly checking in with people last night and even this morning, I'm told no, there's not. There was a little bit of a chirp from Donaldson to Tyler Heineman earlier in the ballgame, and the way I understand it, Tyler Heineman stood up for himself you know, and just chirped right back at Josh Donaldson, which... Blue Jay fans know this as well. They love that aggressive kind of edgy attitude from J.D. Did that predicate um, somebody that's got 68 career at-bats calling for Josh Donaldson in a tie game with so much on the line uh, to hit 
after a three-run home run uh, and momentum shifting in that ball game to hit Josh Donaldson, no chance. Absolutely no chance. Yeah, it's weird. I don't know. Like, I, I just feel like it, it sounded like such a hot take 10 years ago to say we need, you know, a, a computerized strike zone, robot umpires. And now it's like, boy, it's, there's a fewer and fewer voices pushing back. Like, we love watching umpires and managers yell at each other. And, and you know, the human element's a thing, but it's just getting a lot of stuff wrong. You, yeah, well, you know, I, I, look at it, I look at it two different ways because the strike zone is one thing, and that, that could be robotic and automatic you know, just to make it fair. I mean, regardless of the situation or whoever is calling balls and strikes or has to relay balls and strikes, uh, that is, that's balls and strikes. You know, last night was a feel thing. Last night was an understanding the situation. And I, I, I'm just left stunned, stunned, totally stunned at, at how that entire situation was handled. And it could have been very easily prevented. Okay, uh, what are you seeing from the bullpen of late? I mean, Jordan Romano had was what a league leading twelve saves, and I think his last seven appearances were all one run, high leverage stuff. And and Velo was down on everything, and he couldn't locate the fastball. That, that was a rough night. Yeah, you know, in the last ten days, you're hearing more and more about pitchers needing to adjust because of the way baseballs are being rubbed up. Um, it's it's somewhat, I think, in favor of a home team. If you you're getting consistency with the baseballs, but we heard Alec Manoa, you know, mention it for his start on Sunday in Cleveland. We saw Jose Barrios on Thursday in not ideal conditions, but you know he never really had a finish on his fastball. He couldn't locate his breaking ball on that curve. So today with Jose Barrios on the mound, you wonder, okay, now is this going to be another test? This is what I'm watching with a very critical eye now is his spin rate, is the velocity up there, is the movement of the pitches. Because now, uh, to get back to the question, are the bullpen guys having the same struggles? But because they are in leverage situations, you're noticing it more. Uh, you know, Tim Mesa gives up a home run, <laughs> which Tim Mesa never gets a, gives up a home run to Owen Miller. Um, you, if you're trying to execute a pitch and you can't finish the pitch and you end up leaking an 87-mile-an-hour slider over the middle of the plate, guess what happens? In the big leagues, it gets destroyed. Um, that, so that's a growing concern. Is it the main concern of this Blue, Jay, Blue Jays bullpen right now? I don't think it's the main concern, but it's certainly factoring in. But it's just, it's just so many high leverage moments and so many, I mean, just absolutely gut-wrenching turns with Mesa, with Simber, with Trevor Richards. Uh, you know, Jimmy Garcia had his trouble as well within the last couple of weeks. And now you've got Jordan Romano, who not only – who not only um, you know was incredible, incredible at the start of the season, uh, but the velocity was down. The movement of the slider was not as strong as it has been. But also his pitch effectiveness hasn't been as sharp either. He had only thrown one outing where he used more than 20 pitches, and it was right at 20 pitches. Uh, in the previous, I believe it was nine, and now it's three straight that he's had to throw 20 or more pitches to get through an inning. And, of course, last night was part of that the two walks plus then you know the the home run which stopped everything in the pitch count with the walk off ben get ready we got uh, game day baseball on the radio yeah, here we're in calgary loving it. loving it we'll be listening i love a day i love a day game i, I mean I, I get fired up for day baseball Very you know nice. what yeah. take tomorrow off you've earned it okay <laughs> thanks yeah i will take a you day you know what i am out of boy i'm gonna take a day <laughs> thank you sir 
Enjoy it. You guys are the best. You bet. Chat Thanks, later. man. There you go. Yeah. Blue Jays, Bye. Yankees this morning. Uh, we'll get things going a little pregame at 10. First pitch just after 10.30. Red or Flamestock. How good is that? That's right. Perfect. And then into the big show. and <laughs> Flamestock. Because it is a Calgary Flames game day. Get your helmet on. That's right. That's right. You need to put it on because yeah. you're going to have to leave the playing surface if it's a jar. That's true. Or if, if it's if a new rule, it's a wrinkle. Pops off of uh, of your noggin. I think him. even if Craig McTavish made a heroic return to the NHL, he would have to leave the ice surface if his helmet became a jar. Like, well, how am I supposed to play? I don't wear a bucket. I don't know, Craig. It's 2022. What do you want me to tell Craig, you? Craig, we're not even making you wear a visor. Shut up. Hey, look. You know what this is? I right here? It's a piece of paper. No, you know what this is? What is it? Lower bowl tickets. What? Yeah. Lower no, bowl tickets. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's do it. Do you want to sit lower bowl at the Saddle Dome to see your Calgary Flames? Here's your Flames playoff code word. Red Mile. (sighs) Do we have any updates on uh, that? Tonight'll be a good test. On hmm? Red Mile. I have not had a lot of... Red Mile updates, You're although I have seen, because again, I come to work early in the morning. That's right, yeah, yeah. Uh, There have been uh, some people, I'll say, milling about. Miscellaneous drunks. That's right. It's good to see, good to hear. Now, so did you hear the word there? I come to say it once, that's it. You got is the it word? A, is it a word? Text it in, 960, I don't know if it's two words or one word. I don't Look know. out, that's the word. You know what, do both. I don't figure it out. We're good at this, aren't we? Real good. Yeah. But we're new at it. It's true. It's our first time covering the Flames. Text it in at some point today. Our promotions people, the staff upstairs, they're going to go through all of the correct answers. They'll pick one. It could be you. And then you'll be off to game number five tonight. Yes, sir. Game five tonight. It is game five tonight. <sighs> that red lot at 430. It's How much sep- barf do you want to clean? Like, what seven- are you doing here? 4.30. Did you get the time zone wrong? It's aggressive. I li- Is but it I 4.30 like it. Hawaii time? What are we doing here? No, you know what? You know what? Here's the thing. Yeah. It's the playoffs. It is the playoffs. That's true. It's not, we're not doing this for pregame or for uh, preseason. We're not doing this for rookie <sighs> camp. It has been a while, too, since you've been able to host playoff games at the Scotiabank Saddle Dome. And what's, is it going to? That stinking bubble, the caged basketball court in Edmonton. You've got fans now. Mm. You're at home. Red lot. 4.30. And you know what? It's, I mean, it looks like there might be, I mean, small chance of precipitation. But here's the thing. We're going to be in around that 13 degrees or so. You're not going to get all sweaty. No swass. Right? There's not a lot of, the the swass report is uh, registering at zero on on the scale. The swassometer is low. One or low. Yeah, that's right. Uh, And then uh, then a game, I believe you're going to see. Uh, Markstrom versus Ottinger tonight in net. Has that been confirmed? Has been. Because Daryl, you never know. Misdirection. Yeah, oh, I'm going to put uh, I'm going to put Richie on the second line. <laughs> well, here's the thing. Oh, hey, Michael Stone, you get ready for some popcorn tonight. Just kidding. <laughs> Psych. Flames get off the charter. Media is waiting for them. They ask you know some questions. Hey, Daryl Sutter. Mm-hmm. Now, now again, you know what he did last game. He put a guy. The morning, like, put a guy into the rotation mm-hmm. as a second line forward, and then didn't play him. Right, and brought a defenseman out of mothballs. Correct to play, and didn't was, didn't tell a soul. No one, knew. and it, it worked brilliantly somehow. So, if you were to ask Daryl the day before a game, so what's what's your plan? 
probably not going to tell you. Right. But also, uh, he hasn't had time to think. Like, really? Do you th- here, here was Daryl. Uh, 11 and 7 again? What are we, uh, what are we thinking? Oh, I haven't really thought about that too much. Check on guys later tonight, injuries and stuff, treatments, and go from there. Hasn't uh, thought about it. He has haven't. not even thought about the, oh. the lines and the oh, pairings. Oh. Duh. I mean, oh. I haven't really even thought about it. I mean, it's a good point you bring up, uh, media member. Uh, you should probably think about it, I guess. When do I need to have the... Well, when do I have to submit those? Like an hour before a game, half an hour, when do I... Do the refs come to the room or do I have to take it to them? I don't want to forget about this. Because they do... Okay, so we do warm up a half hour before a game. And, and we're the home team, that. so that I think we have to put our lines in after we see theirs? Yeah, we Is see theirs. Right? So the, they're going to bring us the lineup and the, the stars. And then we adjust accordingly. Are yeah. they going to put Ben out? Do I put Luch out again? I'm told that was all Luch, by the way. Oh, the video suggested as such. Do that we, was uh, Luch. I don't know that uh, Jamie Ben's known for his fantastic world-class ventriloquism because I didn't see any movement of the mouth. No, I guess what I mean is it wasn't a Luch, you're going to take center, you're going to take the draw. It was coach, here's this what was, I'm going to do. This was Luch saying, hey, yarn croak, beat it. I'm taking this draw. Okay, Mr. Luch each. Yeah, yarn croak who isn't <laughs> his centerman. <laughs> Here's what's gonna happen. Here's what's gonna what's gonna go down. Because again, the road team submits their lineup first. Yep. So Daryl would have wrote, written down Lucic, Yarncroak, and whoever the third member of the line was. It's Dubé or yeah. Coleman or Lewis. I mean, it was kind of the eleven forward scramble that happened a lot of the night. Um, did Daryl have any clue ahead of time? Just a little chit chat. Nothing wrong with it. Hey, you're a big tough guy. Why don't you challenge me? Or if you don't, leave the other guys alone or I'll make you fight me. Yeah, I heard you say you're talking about scrapping. You're threatening and, oh, look, well, I'm right here. And if you're looking for a willing combatant. Yeah. Right here. I'm easy to find. I wear 17. You'll notice me. Larger in stature. And if you're going to be a Richard, you're going to notice me a lot more. Yeah. And then he swallowed his tongue. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then got fined for the second straight game. Did you see that? He's on a heater. He uh, back to back slew foots this time, <laughs> penalized and fined for it. The other one was the uh, the stick to the face through the net, which you know That's the right. slew foot wasn't penalized. But um, hey, Enderman of Japan, he's pinned to this net. I should probably <laughs> rub my stick on his face from the other side of the cage. You got a little something in your teeth. Let me uh, here. Yeah, I got you. I'll get you. Get that. Isn't that there. nice of him. Real nice. Yeah. So we got five large for that for sticking Man Japani in the face. And then took the the pins out from under Trevor Lewis in game four and got another five grand for that. I think it only has to happen about another thousand times before he actually loses money on the season. He also was fined five grand during the regular season for spraying water at a player. I believe it was against Chicago or something. I think it was Mackenzie Entwistle who was, was skating by the bench. Is there some sort of a water shortage in <laughs> Chicago at it's the time? It's unsportsmanlike or? conduct, oh, Ryan. We can't have that. Hmm. We cannot have that. And I think that. we'll see another fine today. I know a lot of people oh. in the text line are very, very concerned about the Darnell Nurse headbutt, which was not caught during play, but we did catch a replay of later in the broadcast last night. Mm-hmm. Um, there has been an incident of a player being suspended for a headbutt. There's also been a lot of fines in the postseason surrounding it. Um, you know, they'll spin the wheel and do what they do, but I think it's going to be a fine for, uh, you know, the nine and a quarter million dollar mm-hmm. defenseman. The, the seventh highest paid defenseman in the league next year. Yeah, he'll find a way. He'll find a way. So, 7.30 is game time. 6.30 is warm-up. Flames talk 
Four thirty is parking lot. Four thirty, yeah, but for our purposes here, four. Well, you're not going to go. Well, I don't know. Are you Come going, on, Dean? You're going to the game, right? I'm going to go to the red lot and then get uh, dropped off at soccer practice. Oh no, really? <laughs> no, no. I do have to coach soccer tonight. I thought you had uh, tickets. Oh, the soccer will be done in time. Don't worry. I thought. Well, okay, kids. Good work out so there. So you're going I'm to go to the lot first, then coach soccer. Well, probably no, not. I'm but not you're going to the game. I'll be at the game. You, you want to tell people about your elaborate uh, plan as to how you mapped out this playoff run, or do you want to keep that to yourself? I'm a total slimeball weasel and uh, really trying my hand at this. I'm letting you decide. A tertiary stream of income of uh, becoming a hound that sells tickets by the C train station. Who's buying? Who's selling? Who's got them? Need them? Got them? Got them? Need them? Got them? Need them? No, I'm going. I'm not selling. So that's, You're that's keeping? Good. Yeah, that's good. I don't think that's probably a... Uh... Got a pair for Game 7. Don't need them to need oh, those, okay, but the prices are looking good for those. Yeah, I would think that probably there'd be a few people wanting to go to this game tonight. Even though it's a Probably more mid-week. than if they had lost two nights ago, yeah. Yeah, I think that probably We're there's a little bit We're getting screwed of... on these midweeks here. Do you understand what Gary's doing to us here? How are the home teams dealing with Monday, Wednesday, Tuesday, Thursday, Tuesday, the next week, Wednesday? Like, why are the Dusters getting weekend dates here? Dallas is going to come away with this thing on a, well, a you, Saturday and a Friday. You wanted to start on the Tuesday. If he'd have pushed it back for a Friday or a Thursday, Saturday, well, you would have pushed the whole season uh, up. They start on the 14th. What are they doing? Fan feedback line 960-960. Is Pinder at least going to wear a jersey tonight? No, I'll put my Calvary jersey on, right? What's the matter with you? What's the matter with you? It's the playoffs. What did you wear to the last game? A Red Cannons t-shirt. How'd they do? They got shut out. I'm gonna smack you right in the mouth. You think I have something to do with this? It's the you know what? Why? I was I wasn't the knob trying to start the wave when they were losing in the third period. Those people deserve responsibility for what happened on that. Listen, fair night, fellas, fellas. It's the playoffs. It is the playoffs. It's not the preseason. It's not game thirty. It's not the preseason. It's the playoffs. Put a jersey on. Whatever the oh, because you really are this respected highbrow journalist that That's can't right. be seen wearing no. a jersey. No. You donkey! I'm uh, going to be in the, the House of Parliament reporting on uh, Bill C seventy seven thousand uh, tomorrow. I can't be seen as there's a, uh, as, a, as an irrational fan, Dean. There's Ryan Pinder, of course, not wearing a jersey. I mean, puking into a garbage can in the second level, but uh, of course, being a professional, he can't be caught I've, wearing I've a jersey. Been way too sober these two games I've been to. Not impressed at all. Just put a jersey on. Yeah, okay, uh, sure. You're not gonna, are you? I don't know. We'll see. I've Do got, it. I got I got my soccer practice plan. I got to work on. We'll see what happens. Stupid soccer. You know what's gonna happen? <laughs> You're gonna. T- this is on you now. This is on me. I did the. Yeah, Damn, boy! You, I, like I did my part. You do your part. People stop doing the wave. Let's go. Hour three coming up. Can't wait. More coming up. We'll hear from the head coach of the Dallas Stars, Rick Bonus, talking about uh, some changes. Hated his game four from his team. Oh, wants didn't like his game one. Ooh. Liked game four even less. Talks about that. Some potential changes. The that top line, the vets. Just everything. Now it's a best of three. Everything kind of ratchets up a little bit, and he talks about that. Obviously. Uh, Daryl Sutter not 
saying a whole lot. He hasn't thought about. He just really hasn't. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's nah, just. Nah, I mean, it's Wednesday. Nah. Is that is that tomorrow? Today? What day is this? The Wednesday? Uh, do, I don't do, even. Do, nah, are we allowed to change the lineups between nah, four and five? Yeah. Nah. And old uh, Jake Markstrom, so much to say about being nominated for the Vesna. Just went on and on about it. He was rubbing it in the other Jake's face, I bet, wasn't he? Oh, yeah, he just... Hey, hey, you fresh-faced little puke. Reporters just checking, for this? Their, checking their watch. Oh, we got to get this back to Central. Yeah. Cut so, this and edit it. Hurry well, up, that's Jake. coming up. Hour three next, Sportsnet 960, The Fan.